This episode of Jewish Songwriter is brought to you by Temple Israel of the City of New York, a welcoming family of families devoted to community and repairing the world, located on Manhattan's Upper East Side. With an early childhood center, religious school education through high school, weekly musical services, and an inspiring array of social, educational, young professional, and Israel-centered programming and trips, you're sure to find your home in this warm and inclusive community. To learn more, check out www.tinyc.org. That's tinyc.org. Welcome to Jewish Songwriter, shining a light on the people and stories behind contemporary Jewish music, one song at a time. I'm your host, Sheldon Lowe, and now, on to the show. This week's Jewish Songwriter is Elana Arian. Welcome to the show, Elana. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So could you tell us a little bit of your story to how you became a Jewish songwriter? Sure, absolutely. So I grew up in Westchester County, suburbs of New York City, about 45 minutes north of uh, Manhattan. And um, I, you know, I grew up in a musical family. My parents are both uh, musicians. My mom teaches at HUCJR in New York City and has been on the faculty of Havana Shira for a million years and I think has really had a hand in shaping a generation of cantors and educators and song leaders and everything. And similarly, my dad is a lifelong song leader and uh, he's a rabbi, but non-pulpit rabbi and, and um, has worked in the camping world forever and started the foundation for Jewish camps. And I got to grow up in kind of the soup of Jewish music as just part of like the air around mm-hmm. you, you know, and yeah. because, you know, I, I grew up in, in, the, in my family and sort of was breathing the air like we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So um, I had the great privilege of having our teacher, Debbie Freeman of Blessed Memory, be a, a real presence in my life. She was a mm-hmm. close friend of my mom's, a close friend of my parents, and someone who was just around mm-hmm. in my life a lot. Yeah, I went to college at Yale. I went as thinking I was going to study music there. I, I had a violin teacher, and I went in, in part because of the musical life there, mm-hmm. for sure, and I figured that would be my sort of path. And then while I was in, in college, I, I met a group of sort of folky singer-songwriter people who ended up being my real community in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just by being with them and singing with them and sort of going to their coffee house things where they were writing their own music, so suddenly was like, oh, you can just write your own songs. Like, you don't need a degree or, or yeah. some sort of special, uh, right. you know, papers or anything. Yeah. yeah. And so through college, I started playing coffee houses in, in New Haven and, and started coming to New York to play some gigs here. Mm-hmm. And at the end of school, I moved to New York, um, recorded my first like EP secular music. And I started touring around, I was teaching during the day. And then I was like touring around on the weekends, you know, the way that it is just kind of like, I had nice, substantial, eventually substantial gigs here in New York. And I was doing that and, and feeling good about it and kind of uh, just felt like that probably would be my life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I loved the, the feeling of traveling around and, and meeting new communities. I loved sharing my music. I felt inspired by the, the musical communities that I was becoming a part of. It wasn't quite like the whole, my whole heart, like I could feel mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And there was an element that felt like, um, I mean, it's like that in any work, I guess, I have to imagine, although this is the work that I've always done, but mm-hmm. this sort of like pushing like all the time, the hustle mm-hmm. element of mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. just booking everything and, and um, you know, not knowing even after all those years, like if I, if I went to Boston, I knew I'd have like a big crowd in Boston or Philadelphia, but you know, you go to someplace you haven't been, or you haven't been in four years or something, and you just Mm -hmm. don't know kind of who's going to be there. And all of that, just, I felt that pulling a lot of my creativity away. And Mm. I wasn't sure if that part was sustainable. Yeah. So basically I, I have a daughter who's six and, and so about 
I guess about six years ago, six and a half years ago, I was kind of going through a major shift in my life. You know, I was, I was, I become a new, a, a new parent, which is like a wild, crazy reorienting experience. I wasn't traveling, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. doing the work in the way that I had been doing at least for uh, about a year. And, um, and I had a lot of big shifts in my personal life and I just found myself really unmoored in a way that was frightening. You know, mm-hmm. it was one of those times where you're like, gosh, I don't know, like the things that you count on normally aren't really there. And, um, the sort of stable ground feels a little like sinkholy and you're not sure. Mm. And I've been playing, um, in synagogue at central synagogue mostly for many years. So I had maintained a connection to Jewish music in that way. Mm-hmm. Every Friday I would be in synagogue and I would play music with a wonderful group of musicians and sort of participate in tefillah. But it was really in that sort of role of being, mm-hmm. um, an instrumentalist and of supporting whatever worship choices and musical choices that, the cantors and rabbis were making, which I loved. And I just kind of thought of that as a totally siloed, separate part of my creative life. It's Mm -hmm. strange when I think about it now, but I think it really took just like feeling in a dark place personally Hmm. to have a desire to do that. And I was searching. Yeah, exactly. And I really Mm -hmm. was in a place of searching personally. And I remember I was in my daughter's room. She was probably like seven or eight months old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I had her on the changing table and I was getting her ready for something. And I just kind of started humming some melody. I don't know. Mm. And it really was like a complete thing. It wasn't like, you know, songs, songwriting, like any kind of writing. Sometimes it's like something just comes out and some, but you know, for me, it's usually like, you know, it takes Concerted time. Effort. Yeah. yeah it's, create you know, the space and yeah, exactly. Down. Create yeah. the space and have the right sort of environment. And, you know, you get a little something and you put it down, then you come, you, you take some time, you come back, edit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the right. first experience I ever had as a songwriter where I just like this whole song came out at, mm-hmm. in, at once in a full piece. And it was this uh, setting, my first Jewish setting ever of mm-hmm. um, like, you know, may the things that are inside of me be acceptable and, and okay. And mm. are the things I'm thinking about okay? And will they be okay with, everything and everybody and all of that. Uh But yeah, so when I, after I wrote that piece of music and I, you know, kind of sheepishly shared it with a couple of people near me who were in the Jewish world and sort of had a context for it, I just saw that people responded to it in a different way than my other music. Although Mm -hmm. I I loved my secular music and I Mm -hmm. still, you know, when I go and I, after the, after the concert at the synagogue and you're setting up the CDs, like I still stand, you know, stand behind. I love those songs, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there is something that feels a little more authentic to my whole self, Mm -hmm. you know, in that. And, um, and I think the big, one of the big differences is the sort of communal aspect to it. Totally. Right. When you're writing music with the idea that it exists in a space that's full of people and, and that people would be singing it together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that they're going to be singing it together to transmit a message together that's mm-hmm. bigger than the people and bigger mm-hmm. than you, mm-hmm. you know, that just, it, it, that feels like really important to me, you I know? Agree. Hey, it's Sheldon here, just interrupting to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle, who makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. I've tried all of the major template-based sites, and the reason I use Banzoogle is because the whole platform is really built for musicians, with features like a free custom domain name, a commission-free store, unlimited download codes, and an email list platform for managing your list, sending targeted emails and analytics built right into your subscription. You can click the link in the episode notes or go to bandzoogle.com and use promo code Jewish Songwriter, all one word, to try it free for 30 days and get 15% off the first year of your subscription. That's promo code Jewish Songwriter. Bandzoogle, websites built for musicians by musicians.
curious to know for those of our listeners who would like to sing or share or teach this song, just not to commoditize it, but like, can Mm -hmm. you give us some tips on, you know, ways that you've taught it or used it in the past that Mm. that work really, really well Mm -hmm. and that we could gain the benefit of your experience? So, I mean, I think obviously the setting matters a lot. The context matters a lot. So very often, if I'm using this piece, it's going to be in a, the context of a service. Mm-hmm. And in the context of a service, I like to think a lot about, I mean, of course, there's definitely room and moments for teaching, real explicit teaching. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of like a soft teach, which is like, we're staying within the space of the prayer. We're not like, repeat after me and do, you know, like we're staying in the moment, but we're giving sort of enough information that we have a participation. And so with this piece, because it typically is sort of up against the silent prayer in the context that I'm working, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm aware of trying to find the right balance Mm -hmm. of those two things. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's helpful is because the B section, the English section is call and response. One thing that's helpful sometimes is to start to come out of the silence with that, to come out of it with the second part of the song. May the word... So they've heard it. The, the Kahal has heard it. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they respond. Maybe you just gesture. May the words. And you just gesture and people will just do that. Mm-hmm. Or if they don't, it's kind of the seed has been planted. And so that when that more obviously participatory part comes back around, they're prepared to participate. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know about your just general writing process. Mm-hmm. Do you have um, a specific methodology that you often use mm-hmm. or, you know, what, what sort of give us a, a window into your process? I tend to be, I mean, even in my secular music, I would find that I sort of worked from a musical place first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me usually looks like, you know, I play a bunch of string instruments. I think in terms of composition, I tend to be at the guitar when I'm composing. Occasionally I'm on mandolin, but usually it's like I'm playing something, a chord progression or a, you know, a pattern or a lick or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's sort of just compelling to me musically from like a ear perspective. Mm-hmm. So I just find myself playing it a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, so I'll keep playing it. Now I kind of know that if I feel that, that I should follow that. Mm-hmm. You know, at the beginning, it just seemed like sort of magical, <laughs> right. a magical coincidence that kept happening over and over. But now <laughs> I know, oh, this is like, this is how it feels when I'm sort of getting onto something that feels like something. Mm-hmm. In, the typical thing would be that, like a chord progression or a lick or something instrumental, and that that, that would lead to me humming a wordless melody over it and kind of doing that a lot. And then typically for me, that musical gesture will indicate either a thematic kind of prayer space that we're in, like, oh, this is a morning prayer about gratitude, mm-hmm. <laughs> or or this is like a, a, a revving up kind of Kabbalat Shabbat type mm. of thing. Maybe it's like as general as that. Or it might be like, oh, this is, um, you know, Psalm 95, because mm-hmm. it's about this. or You know what I mean? Like, it, it can be sort of generalized or specific, but typically at the beginning that definitely was my tendency to like try to within the first little bit of my experience mm. with that say, Oh, this is going to be used for this and da da da, da. Right. you know, but the more authentic sort of creative expression is to really sit with something and let it just be a thing right. that you can't identify, right. <laughs> you know, that you're not like, Oh, this is Lechado D. It's like, this is a, um, this is a melody that feels like this to me, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm going to actually put it down now for the day mm-hmm. and I'm going to pick it up tomorrow and see if it still feels like that. Or maybe mm-hmm. it feels like something else, you know, and that's just the sort of, Openness to that, I think, has been something that I've had to 
cultivate, but also it's been really helpful in my process. Mm-hmm. I've written, you know, a handful of pieces with Noah Aronson, who's mm-hmm. a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that Noah, one of the things I've learned from him in the writing that we've done together is because I can spend a long time with my own pieces singing the same melody or the same chord progression a bunch and then finding where the text is, you can get kind of locked into something. That, yeah. and, and Noah, for a couple of pieces that we've written together, there'll be a little change in the melody where he'll say, well, what if the second line was just instead of da 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 was this? And I'm like, my initial reaction is kind of like, uh, because that's not the melody. Like, that's why. <laughs> like, uh, it was perfect. Uh, because not? it was clearly perfect. Like, why are you doing that? Um, okay. Last question before the lightning round. Oh, I'm just I'm warning you. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to start stretching. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, do you have any uh, just general tips or advice? I think from a musical perspective, one is just the idea of, um, I guess acceptance is like a little bit of a rough word for me to say, but mm. the idea that, you know, it's a practice. Like all of this work is a practice. So whether that's about your own writing or about your performing or your booking or any element of this work, you know, depending on what phase you're in, like anything, it's a practice. So sometimes Mm -hmm. you come to the practice and it's like, whoa, I can't believe this thing that just came out of me and I'm so, I'm awesome at this. Yeah. You know? And sometimes you come and it's like, wah, wah, like Mm -hmm. terrible. I got nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you go and you, and you stand and you're leading something and it just, it's like working and you feel like it's magical, you know, and sometimes it's not like that. And that the thing about a practice is that you keep coming back to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's powerful just the fact of it that you come back to it. Yeah. You know, part of that comes for me from, you know, I was a classical violinist. So that means like you practice for four hours a day, every day, no matter mm-hmm. what you want to do, right. you know, and as much as that's difficult or whatever, there was always something very grounding to me in the sort of like the discipline of that. Okay. Are you ready for the lightning round? You're limbered up. I you're feel, stretched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm stretched. <laughs> okay. I have seltzer. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> just as a reminder. Yeah. One word answers or close to it. As quickly as you can get them out. I don't want you to think about them. No thinking. Okay. Okay. Great. Starts easy. What's your favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, Shredded mini wheats. Your most used emoji. The face that's like, kind of like a smile that's like lateral. It's like, eh. Yeah. You know what I mean? The teeth. Yeah. It's like, sorry. (laughs) That's my most used emoji. And then a purple heart also. Oh, nice. Yeah. Favorite TV character? I am watching The Good Place right now. Okay. And I love... um, Janet. Um, what's the song you wish you wrote? I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan, so I nice. could say like 10 songs by her. Sure, you go. Know? It's a lightning round. Okay, here we go. One, Case of You, two. Circle Game, uh, Morning Morgantown, For Free, Court uh, and Spark. I mean, honestly, Blue. I'm basically naming all of her. Blue, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. River? Is it called River? River, yeah. absolutely. Woodstock. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Check <laughs> them out. Who are you talking to? <laughs> Come on, guys. Who's in the room that's being like just, yeah. defying you Nobody's, right now? <laughs> literally, just, it's just the two of us and, and you totally agree. So yeah. I don't know why that was a weird response. But anyway, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Joni Mitchell, check it out. <laughs> so I just want to thank you again for coming up here. This has been really, really fun for me. I hope it was fun for you. And I hope this is like the beginning of, of like a long, long, long uh, friendship. For me too. I was yeah. great. Thank you for having me. And yeah, we'll def- we're, we're going to continue these conversations when the mics are off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the after hours. The after hours. Songwriters. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so see much. See you soon. Yeah. This is Yihiu Laratson by Ilana Arian. Yihiu.
it for this episode of Jewish Songwriter. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. On the next episode of Jewish Songwriter... Hi, this is Charlie Kramer. Jewish Songwriter is produced by Sheldon Lowe, 
edited by Ben Mazak of Industrial Strength Productions in St. Louis, Missouri, and distributed by Hallelujah Music. Until next time, keep writing out there, and thanks for listening. I'm singing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.